Acts chapter 19. And in honor of God's Word, would you stand with me if you're able to for the reading of God's Word. happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finishing some, finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, which is John the Baptist. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now men were about twelve in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, mightily manifest yourself with us today. And speak to us through your word, convicting us of our sin, converting us to your way and will, and convincing us, O Lord Jesus, that your way is the right way and the only way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's not a one of us knows at this point in our life, and particularly at this point in this year life, how this year is going to come across. Or what this year is going to bring. None of us know. The Lord Himself knows. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Will this year bring the end of some things as we have come to know them? Will this year bring about the Lord's return? Hallelujah, wouldn't that be great? Will we still have the freedom to share the Word of God around the world? Have we accomplished all that we could accomplish in the name of Jesus? 
It's going to be an interesting year, to say the least, as we see unfold and fulfill what the Lord Jesus desires to bring about in this year. Again, none of us knows all that's going to happen. We may have an idea. We know there's an election coming up. Uh, but we, we don't know the intricacies of that election. The point being, God does. But it takes faith. It takes faith on the part of the believer, on the part of the Christian. It takes faith to walk the Christian walk, not by sight, but by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. Hallelujah. And those who live by what they walk and how they walk, a lot of times are really disheartened and disillusioned. Because what they see happen is not totally, ultimately, what brings about God's purpose and plan for our lives. When we focus on Jesus, when our mindset is on Him, when our eyes are on Him, when we are glued to Him, confusion and disorder are minimized. Excitement is heightened. Enthusiasm reaches its peak. Why? Because Jesus is our focus. He is the one to whom we look to. He's the one in whom we trust. He is the one in whom we walk with on a daily basis. He's the one that we should depend upon. He is the one that our faith in remains steadfast. This 19th chapter offers itself to just how we are to do the challenges of depending upon the Lord Jesus, resting in His care, and allowing Him to work in us and through us to accomplish His purpose. I want to share with you our commitments that we need to make to the Lord Jesus we would do well to commit ourselves to communicate the gospel to as many as we can, as much as we can, as long as we can, however and whatever it takes to accomplish. Verses 1 through 10 speak to that commitment very much so. A commitment, again, to communicate the Look at what the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit's leadership and manifestation in his life, accomplished. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Well, we know and read and found out last week that Apollos was a part of leading others to Christ. We found that, that Apollos was with the brethren, the Christian believers, and that, and that he was sharing. And that Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and shared the gospel with him a little bit further as he sought to teach and lead others 
about Christ. You know, it's one thing for us on our sim- in our simplicity and, and on our own to try and share Jesus Christ with people. But the very fact that, that we learn more about Christ as we dig into the Word of God and as we focus more on, on the Lord Jesus Christ, as we focus on Him and we learn more of Him, He becomes more and takes over more of our lives and he, we become more like Him. So that as we share with others, we're able to share with others in more truthfulness, in more completeness as we focus on Him. But whenever we take our focus off of Him, we begin to to sink. You remember the Apostle Peter, don't you? You remember the situation with Peter and the Apostles in the in the uh, a boat as they were crossing uh, Galilee, uh, or the, the Sea of Galilee, and a storm rose and, and came up and the boat was being tossed and to and fro. The Lord Jesus came to them walking on the waters and, and said to them, don't be afraid. Well, it's kind of difficult while you're in the midst of that fearfulness when something has happened and you are scared to death and you see something before your very eyes and and you think it's a ghost or you think it's something else. You don't understand. You can't trust that. You don't believe that you can trust that that you see. Jesus told the disciples, the disciples now, the disciples that had been with him, walked with him, ate with him, touched him. He told the disciples, don't be afraid. It's just me. And I wake my wife up sometimes from sleep. That's a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> I'll pay for this illustration later, but it it really makes a good illustration. <laughs> you know, because she's in a different world when she's asleep. But when she wakes up, she's still in that world. And so, you know, you've got to be careful. Well, some of us are like that as well. The disciples were like that. They didn't know whether he was a ghost or whether it was really Jesus or not. But they, they, they believed Jesus, and, and, and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. Which meant he had to get out of the boat, he had to walk on water, and get back. Well, we know the situation. We know the story. You recall the story very well. What did Peter do? Peter got out of the boat. He was the only disciple that got out of the boat. And he got out of the boat. The Bible says he began to walk on water. Peter walked on Jesus wasn't the only one in the New Testament to walk on water. Peter began to walk on the water. Until the scripture says that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. Why did he take his eyes off Jesus? The wind was blowing, the rain was falling, the waves were were tossing. He took his eyes off of Jesus. Until that point in that time, 
He was okay. As long as we focus on Jesus, friends, we are okay. We will be okay. As long as we focus on Jesus. But when we take our focus off of Jesus, we're not going to be okay. And that's when Peter began to sink. That's when we will be, begin to sink. When we take our eyes off of Jesus. When we commit ourselves to Jesus and to communicating the gospel to whomever, however, as much as we can, as often as we can, focusing on Jesus will, will keep us safe. We can walk on that water with Him, no matter who is against us. And the, there, there, there's any amount, any number of, of those who are going to be against us, particularly Satan. Apollos was baptized into John the Baptist's baptism of repentance. But it was incomplete. He did not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not indwelling him at that point in time. Now this was, this was early believing. This was early believers. And, and Jesus has, uh, has, has been crucified. He's gone back to, to heaven. The disciples are, are on their own with the Holy Spirit, with His power, with His presence, with His person. And, and they don't have to be out there facing the world alone. They have the Holy Spirit. But Apollos had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So Paul did what? He shared Jesus with them a little bit more, a little bit further into the believing aspect and trusting aspect of what Apollos was in the Christian faith. And he shows us what it takes for a person to be saved. They must hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith, our faith, is built up. Our faith grows. Our faith focuses once we hear the Word of God. We're focused on Christ. And when we're focused on Christ, then we can believe on Christ, believing in Jesus. They hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And then faith is put into action, and that action is placing our trust, our faith, in His saving work on the cross. And ultimately, that is the resulting aspect of baptism by the Holy Spirit. When a person received Jesus Christ today, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. You get all the Holy Spirit, you and I get all the Holy Spirit when we are saved that we're going to get. We've got Him all. The question isn't how much of the Holy Spirit we have. The question is how much of us does the Holy Spirit have? And so when we focus on Christ, we focus on Him as we are saved, we begin to live for Him, we keep our focus on Him. The problem isn't 
the fact of having the Holy Spirit and all of the Holy Spirit, the problem is keeping our focus on Christ and on the power of God. We must be committed to taking the Word of God to everyone within our reach. Matthew 18, nine, uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Uh, go into all the world. As you are going, make disciples. Well, why would Jesus tell us to do something that we ought not to do or we shouldn't do? Why would he want us to do something that can't be done? Because it can be done. Because he wants it to be done. And our commitment to him is to do it, to take it wherever. Go into all the world. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. Then you will be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God holds us accountable. God looks to you and me, who are believers, to share the gospel. God looks to you and me to pass out this good news, the good news, Jesus Christ is God's Son. Jesus Christ loves us. Jesus Christ cares deeply for us. Jesus Christ so much so on the cross, He suffered, bled, and died so that you and I could have life abundant and eternal with God. God holds us accountable because we as believers will give an account for one day for our focus of this commitment, focusing on Jesus Christ enough to carry the gospel to our world. Now, if that wasn't important enough, then listen to this second commitment. Commitment to confess our sins and keep our relationship right with God and each other. Oh, Pastor Don, you've quit preaching, gone to meddling. Commitment to confess our sins and to keep our relationship right with God and with man and with each other. Right with God and right with each other. Vertical and horizontal. It's a relationship that we are responsible for. It's a relationship that's not automatic. When Wanda and I began going together, you know how it is today, Kids begin talking about, we're going together. We're, I'm going with so-and-so, so-and-so. You're going together? Where are you going? Well, we, we didn't think about that either in, in our day and time, which was 50-some years ago, wasn't it? But yeah, about 55 years ago. And, and so we, we started seeing one another. We, started, uh, we, we, we were too young to date at that point in time. Well, we we were too young, but you know. Anyway, we uh, we we started liking each other. We started going together. We started writing love notes to one another, and and all, you know all of that. I mean, you 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 did the same thing, but you know it, it's it's 
loving. Uh, and, and you see, I don't, I don't believe we fall in love. If we fall in love. We can fall out of love just as we fall in love. Love is a choice. So we, 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 we look at one another and we get all googly and, and sweaty palms and, and uh, uh, you know, nervous and, and all. And, and really we need to go to the doctor and get checked out and see if we've got the flu. But, but we get all, you know, all rolled into one and wrapped up there in, in that. And, and uh, we see that relationship begin to grow. That relationship begin to build and grow. And, and, and the more that we make that choice and to choose to love and to, and to love more and, and we do things for that loved one, we, we want to do things, we want to get things, we want to uh, write things, and, and, and all it begins to grow. That love, that relationship begins to grow. Now, you know, from that point... It stands to change. It, it it can change. It it can either fall out, fall off, or fall away from each other, or you continue to build. You make a choice to make that one special, and that's the one that you choose to to uh, uh, enter into more of a relationship, further into that relationship, and 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 marry. So you get engaged. And you decide to get married, and so you go forward with that, and and then you you get married, you you do you it, focus on that, and building that relationship and continuing to build that relationship. Now, let me interject here that that from that standpoint on, that relationship can can either go forward in a good way or it can go bad. In a different way. You can continue to build on that relationship, which in a marriage, that's what you ought to do, is to continue to build year after year after year, day after day, is continue to build on that relationship. It is not to take that relationship for, uh, take advantage of that relationship, take it for granted. Continue to build on that relationship. That's a desire, either that you have or not. Now, men are famous for saying, I told you I loved you uh, when we got married, and that's all you need to know, and that's the last time that I need to say that. Women are uh, wanting to know that on a consistent basis, be reassured of that on a consistent basis. Honey, do you love me? I mean, they, they, they just need to hear it. Uh, not necessarily every minute of the day, but but they need to hear it more than just when you got married. Because that relationship is built off of the focus of that which you put into it. Love. When we make a commitment to confess our sins and keep our relationship with the Lord Jesus right, and our relationship with one another right, we're going to work at it. And let me tell you, it ain't going to be automatic. It is not automatic. A relationship is not automatic. Relationships take time, take effort, take energy. 
sometimes they can be exasperating. Uh, sometimes they can be energy draining. Sometimes they can, they can lift you up to glory. And sometimes they can let the air out of you like a, air out of a balloon. But all of that is a part of commitment to building that relationship, growing that relationship. And that's what we have to do in all of our relationships. Verses 11 through 12 cover this second point. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from the body of the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and then, look at verse 16. <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing, telling their deeds. And many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When we make a commitment to Jesus Christ, confess our sins to the Lord Jesus, and build off of that relationship with Him, and keep that relationship with Him, keep growing that relationship with Him. And friend, you cannot do that not in the Word of God. You can't do it. The Word of God is His love letter to you and me. It's how He communicates to us. It's how He relates to us. And so that's how we should take that relationship. I remember when, when uh, one and I were going together, we'd write love letters to one another. Do you love me, yes or no? You know? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't ask me, do you love me, yes or no? No, that is me to say to him. It's up to me to say to him. It's up to me to let him know by my commitment to him and that relationship that I have with him to convince him, yes, I'm in love with Jesus. And the same thing with my wife. I let her know how much I love her by building on that relationship that we have and continuously keeping it active and alive. We must commit to confess our sins and keep our relationship with the Lord Jesus right. And if we keep this relationship right, we're going to keep this relationship right.
You see it? Because I can't be right with Him and not right with you. You hear me? You can't do it. You can't do it. This Word says you can't do it. It's a relationship that's built with Him and on Him. It's focused on Him. And my relationship with Him is of utmost importance. It's, it's primary. And then my relationship with you and out from me is secondary. But it's just as important. And you can't do it. You can't have one without the other because it's constantly growing. It's in a constant movement. Now, we see God working, affirming His Word through His servants in this passage. Look at verse 11 and 12. In verses 11 and 12, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left him and the evil spirits went out of them. Folks, let me tell you something. These charlatans, I'm going to call them. That's a nice word for something else. But these charlatans that say, you know, I will send you, uh, I will send you this handkerchief. Uh, it's a prayer handkerchief. And actually, this is not a prayer handkerchief. This is a wiping my nose handkerchief. Uh, I would be afraid to send somebody something even if they said it was a prayer handkerchief. Uh, My point being, there are not any handkerchiefs that I know of today that work like they worked here with the Apostle Paul. They're not there. And anybody that says that they are, these TV preachers are are not right. They're not true. Now, I I realize that. And and I really do. I realize I'm putting them down, but hey, you got to tell the truth, folks. And I'm telling you the truth. They're not right. It's not right. And they're robbing you. They're robbing the sheep. And if you'll fall prey to it, that's exactly what they'll keep doing. Don't believe them. It is not there. Healings occurred, miracles occurred because the Holy Spirit of God was with the Apostle Paul, on the Apostle Paul, leading the Apostle Paul, and did what he was doing to convince people in that day that Jesus Christ was real and true. Look at verse 12 and following. So that even handkerchief aprons were brought forth from his body, Uh, to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. You see, already we have it delivered to us exactly. uh, That took it upon themselves. The Holy Spirit wasn't leading them. Holy Spirit of God didn't guide them. They took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus, over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. So they did that. The seven sons of Sceva did that. And 
The evil spirit, verse 15, answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? I don't know you. The reason they didn't know him and he didn't know them was because the Holy Spirit was not in them and with them and guiding them and calling upon them to do what they were doing. And then confession of sin and changing of ways. Look at verse 17 through 20. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. In that time and that day, conviction of sin, the power of the Holy Spirit rested in what was happening and the miracles that were being performed. And Jesus was changing lives. And His name was being magnified and His word was being lifted and exalted. Jesus is still in the miracle business today. He's still in the miracle business today. But friends, He has not empowered anyone that I'm aware of. Now, I don't know everybody. I'm I'm just telling you. I admit that. I confess to that. But I don't know anyone that the Lord Jesus has empowered, enabled to be a healer. An exorcist. And from what I read here, if I were to take that upon myself, then the Lord Jesus would reveal that by not healing and the possibility of the evil spirit that I'm trying to exercise jumping on me, being on me, coming against me. And I don't play with things like that. And the Holy Spirit doesn't play either. We have to focus on the Lord Jesus. We have to make a commitment. Confession isn't good unless it's followed up by changing. And that's exactly what happened. Many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the, in the sight of all. All they counted up the value of them, it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. He wants His word to grow mightily, and He wants it to prevail in the lives of people who are lost and undone, who, who have no hope, they need hope, they need salvation, they need Jesus. And if we focus on Jesus, we will do what Jesus wants us to do in focusing on Him, committing ourselves to focus on Him, confessing our sins. That will happen. I've seen it happen. I've been a part of it happening. I know personally it can and will happen if we will do what the Lord Jesus says to do. And thirdly, we must commit to keeping confusion and disorder at a minimum. 
I'm convinced we are responsible for our own confusion a lot of times. I'm convinced we cause our own confusion. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Don? Well, let me, let me just say, we can hear half-truths. We can hear counterclaims. Uh, we can hear unfounded charges. And we can make them. And we can believe them. And there is nothing to them. And yet we believe them and we act upon them. We spread them. We cause more confusion. We cause more action and uh, detriment to the causes of Christ when we do that. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Demetrius, a silversmith, idol maker of the goddess Diana, listened uh, to what, uh, what was said. Uh, I'm sorry, not Genesis. But uh, if you go back to Genesis, you'll, you'll hear the devil ask this truth, ask, ask Eve. Eve, uh, didn't the Lord say that, uh, that you will die you won't die. Eve, you won't die. Uh, what, did the, what did the Lord tell you? And then Eve proceeded to tell the, the, the devil, that old snake, that serpent, uh, well, well uh, the, Lord, the Lord said, in, in the day that you eat and in the day that you touch it, you're not to touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. But she added to it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a half-truth. With the Apostle Paul in Acts, Demetrius said, These men have come here and threatened our livelihood, put our livelihood of making these gods in danger. Uh... Our livelihood's in danger. He convinced all Asia that the gods made by men were gods above all. And Asia and the world worshiped Diana. And Paul said in Acts 17, 29 through 30, uh, that's not true. But so many of them rallied together, came together, and beat him and thrust him out of the city like he was dead. Now, friends, it's not difficult to get a mob together if you want a mob. It's not difficult to believe a half-truth and spread a half-truth. And a half-truth just as good as no truth and an untruth. It's just as good as a lie. It is a lie. And it's the devil that's causing it, bringing it about. So we commit confusion and disorder because of our half-truths and our lies. And we cause it. Secondly, there are counterclaims. Look at verse 32 in the last part of this passage in, in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 32. 
Some therefore cried one thing and some another. For the assembly was confused and most of them didn't know why they had come together in the first place. Anger. Confusion. Lies. Half-truth. And no one really knows what's going on. It's our commitment, it should be our commitment to keep that mess down at a minimum. That's what the believer is charged with. That's what you and I are charged with. We should not believe it. We should not listen to it. Even listen to it. If you don't know what is what, don't listen to it. One, that will make you not be a party to it. Secondly, go to somebody who knows. Don't spread it. Go to somebody who knows. And let them fill you in on what the truth is. And then the unfounded charges. And when the city, verse 35 following, and when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is a temple guardian to the great goddess Diana? And the image which fell down from Zeus. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open. There are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have another Inquiry to make, it should be determined in the lawful assembly. And the lawful assembly in this case, as far as Christians concerned, as far as the church is concerned, is the church body. Church body. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which may we may give to account for this disordering disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. And they were discharged. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to get a mob together with a lie? Have you, have you ever noticed how, how, how easy it is, how simple it is? When, when you spread an untruth, let me just, I've I got to quit. Let me, let me tell you something. If, if one of the best ways in church you want to get a crowd together, tell them, I got something on the preacher I need to tell you. I got something on the preacher that, that we're going to spread out today. We're going we're gonna to deal with it in church today. So you need to come to church this morning and hear it. And call up all the members of the church who haven't been there in three or four years and, and have them there. That's the best way to get a crowd together. The problem is they wouldn't let the preacher preach on Jesus with the crowd assembled. Friends, let me share a few, a few words of the, of the Word of God with you. Proverbs 6, 12 through 19 says, A good-for-nothing scoundrel 
is a person who has a dishonest mouth. He winks with his eye, he makes a signal with his feet, and points with his fingers. He devises evil all the time with a twisted mind. Now this is, this is not the King James Version. Uh, it's not even the New King James Version. It's the English Standard Version. He spreads conflict. That's why disaster will come on him suddenly. In a moment, he will be crushed beyond recovery. There are six things the Lord hates, even seven that are disgusting to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent people, a mind devising wicked plans, feet that are quick to do wrong, a dishonest witness, spitting out lies, and a person who spreads conflict among relatives. That's just seven things the Lord hates. There's more. I, I've, I've got more, but I, I, I won't go further. Simply to say this. We have a challenge before us. We have a challenge before us to be committed to keep confusion and disorder at a minimum. Beloved brothers and sisters, listen to me and hear me clearly. If you are a believer, your, one of your responsibilities as a believer, as a Christian, is to keep disorder and conflict and confusion at a minimum. That's your charge. That's the charge the Word of God brings on you and me. And you can't do it by telling lies and following lies. The other is commitment to communicate the gospel as much, as far, and as often as we can. And committing to confess our sins and to keep our relationship with the Lord Jesus right and our relationship with each other right. If you and I will make these commitments, Corinth Baptist Church, will be a church on fire for the Lord Jesus. Have you ever seen Corinth on fire for the Lord Jesus? Mm. If you haven't, that's a sad fact, but it's a possibility if we'll follow these commitments and focus on Jesus. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you have caused, called us. You have saved us. You've set us apart. You've placed us in your family as believers, as Christians. And you've called on us, Lord, to commit to share the gospel wherever we go. You've called on us to commit, to confess our sins to you and keep our relationship with you right and our relationship with one another right. You've called on us, Lord Jesus, to make confusion and disagreements at a minimum. God, I pray that this will be a commitment in each of our hearts and lives today for your glory 
and our good. And if there's someone here today who's not saved, does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today, Holy Spirit of God, that you will impress upon them to make you Lord of their lives today and be saved. And I pray, Lord Jesus, if there are Christians here today who need to recommit their lives to you and make these commitments, I pray today would be the day they will do just that and do it publicly. In Jesus' name, amen.